This episode of the MedTalk podcast is brought to you by European Pharmaceutical Manufacturer, a publication covering the entire supply chain of pharmaceutical manufacturing. Subscribe now at epmmagazine.com. Hello, and welcome to the MedTalk Podcast, a show bringing you the latest news across life sciences. I'm your host, Rhys Armstrong, the editor of European Pharmaceutical Manufacturer. The focus of today's episode is antimicrobial resistance, which has been highlighted by the World Health Organization as one of the top 10 global public health issues facing humanity. Every year, some 700,000 people die from infections that have microbes and bacteria that are resistant to drugs. By 2050, it's estimated that this number will rise to 10 million. On this episode, I speak to Dr. Henry Skinner, who has recently been appointed CEO of the AMR Action Fund, an organisation which hopes to invest over $1 billion in biotech companies to help fight antimicrobial resistance. We speak about the current market for antibiotics, the need for policy reforms, and how the fund is attempting to bring two to four new antibiotics to market by the end of a decade. So, Dr. Skinner, Henry, thank you first of all for joining us on the MedTalk podcast today. Just for our listeners, could you start off and just give a quick introduction of yourself, please? Uh, thank you, Reese, and thanks for the invitation. It's a, a pleasure to have a chance to talk to you today and, uh, and uh, talk about the AMR Action Fund as well. Uh, I'm trained as a microbiologist uh, going back a number of years from the University of Illinois and did my uh, postgraduate training at Baylor College of Medicine. I've then spent my career in a number of roles uh, in biotech and pharma, going back and forth a few times, uh, much of that in business development and the last uh, 13, 14 years in, in venture capital. Uh, I've operated a couple of companies, one an antibiotic focus company uh, back about 15 years ago called SelectX. Uh, and I have, as an investor, invested in antibiotic companies uh, uh, seeded uh, so started them uh, as, as well as uh, more advanced companies uh, over the past uh, 13, 14 years as well. So I'm afraid I, I know a little bit about a lot at this point, and I probably don't know a lot about much of anything. <laughs> right. Perfect. Thank you. And so you've just joined the Antimicrobial Resistance Action Fund. Um, I suppose with all your experience working within that field, what, what drew you to the Action Fund specifically? Uh, specifically, I, I think it's, it's a, a long you know, uh, scientific interest in the field. I've been active in it in both pharmaceutical companies, biotech companies, running an anti-infective company, as well as investing in them. And, and my degree in microbiology um, was built on, a, on just an intrinsic interest in, in pathogens and you know, even an interest in the history of, of pathogens uh, for humanity and the various things it's done over the past uh, a couple of millennia. Um, but, but I think what really drew me to the AMR Action Fund is, is just the, the, the stunning need we have and my experience in seeing firsthand uh, in the difficulties of financing uh, antimicrobial antibiotic research and development. Uh, I think it's changed enormously over the past 20 or 25 years since I, I entered the field. Um, and if you go back 25 or 30 years, I think the 
interest in the field was strong and the ability to finance programs in the field was, was strong. And we've seen innovation uh, across all sectors of healthcare to, to wonderful benefit. Um, but we seem to be starving the ability to leverage that innovation in the anti antimicrobial antibiotic field uh, due to some macro constraints and, and how the advances we've made haven't been uh, re rewarded. The investments in new antibiotics have just not led to the market or, or really the benefit that's needed to keep the innovation going. So looking at those challenges and, and seeing uh, you know, the wonderful private-public partnership that's come together to form the AMR Action Fund, you know, with, with some significant capital that we can do some real good over the next decade in driving to two to four new antibiotic approvals uh, against drug-resistant pathogens. Um, the need is so great. The, the challenge is, is daunting in front of us and, and how to keep these things going. And I think the fund is the right place at the right time to bridge the gap so that we can maintain the progress that we have in, in new antibiotics while our policymakers and governments um, you know, rework some of the policies that are in place so that we can reinvigorate uh, a market basis for driving the innovation in this field. Uh, and really sustain its steady state for for generations to come. Mm -hmm. And just before we get onto the market and sort of the need for policy re reform, um, could you just sort of briefly explain antimicrobial resistance, maybe for some of our um, sort of l less informed listeners, and just what does a world where antibiotics stop working or where resistance increases a lot. What does that look like in terms of healthcare delivery? Yeah, I'll break that into two parts. And the first is resistance. And we, we see it and we've certainly heard about it with some of the new variants of, uh, of COVID that, that have come out that may be resistant to some of the therapies that are being developed or, or the antibodies developed to it, and maybe even making some of the vaccines less effective. Although I think the, we're not sure what those numbers look like yet is certainly being studied. Mm -hmm. but, but for pathogens, as, as pathogens evolve, as everything does, and as we use antibiotics, the pathogens find mechanisms by which they can live in the face of that antibiotic. Um, and this is normal and natural. Um, it can be accentuated by, by various things, misuse of antibiotics. If, if we don't take our, our seven or 10 day course of antibiotics as a patient and we start feeling better and stop taking them, um, sometimes the organisms can come back and sometimes they come back as resistant. So it's inevitable with, with evolution that the organisms develop resistance and, and have since we developed the first antibiotics uh, back in the, the 30s and 40s with penicillin. Um, the What we need to do is to maintain our a uh, set of antibiotics so, so that we're always one step ahead of the pathogens developing resistance. And we've done that reasonably well over the past decades, up until maybe a decade or two ago, as the innovation here has dropped off. But the consequence is pretty dramatic as we think about how antibiotics are used. I've seen numbers that suggest perhaps uh, you know, eight years of added life expectancy from 1940 to today has come through 
the development of antibiotics, uh, which makes sense if you think about it. Uh, infections are life-threatening. Uh, people die from them. Uh, estimated 700,000 people die from drug-resistant infections uh, around the world today. Um, but if you go back prior to the 1940s, some, some very routine things we think about today, such as uh, some simple surgeries, you know, were potentially life-threatening if you got an infection um, you may well die from it because we didn't have the tools to treat it. Uh, so as these pathogens develop more and more resistance and they become more prevalent, the risk is, is that what we consider routine today uh, goes back to what it was in the 1930s where, you know, there's significant risk to what today is, is, to, is you know, very modest procedure such as surgery. Mm -hmm. um, you know, additionally, uh, cancer patients receiving chemotherapy often have a reduced ability to fight off infections. And if they get a drug-resistant infection, it's that much more dangerous for them. A variety of uh, autoimmune diseases that we treat with drugs to temper the overactive immune system can make people more prone and to infection and more difficult to treat the infection. So all of these things, which I think we, we take for granted now that we will have antibiotics, the antibiotics will be effective, very effective, um, isn't necessarily the case. Uh, you know, 35,000 people in the U.S. die from drug resistance infections uh, today. Um, and it's been projected that as many as 10 million people a year may die from drug resistance infections by 2050 if we don't stay ahead of the problem and develop new antibiotics that are highly effective against these organisms. So that's really the challenge. And, and, and and as we look forward, I think these things are fairly easy to anticipate. Um, it does take time, but it only moves in one direction and only seems to become a greater problem as, as the years go by. Yeah, and that leads us nicely um, into sort of the market landscape for antibiotics. You mentioned just during your time within biotech and pharma, you have previously seen a great deal of um, interest within the space. And... Whilst there's still interest now, it seems like there's um, a lot of hindrances to getting new funding for antibiotics. It's a lot of the, the smaller biotech companies that are um, launching new programs um, fighting against it. Just what are some of the major issues within the market for pharmaceutical companies and their incentives for developing new, new antibiotics? Uh, I think there are a number of issues, uh, you know, and, and th they make sense. So, so we should use antibiotics sparingly when, when someone has an infection and we should use the right antibiotic for that infection. Um, and we have a number of antibiotics that have been, been used for, for decades now when we have a very good understanding of, of where to use them. You know, the, the challenge becomes when we develop a new antibiotic, which is a, a risky and expensive endeavor, um, when we bring those new antibiotics to the marketplace that, that have superior benefit, particularly to these drug-resistant infections, um, you know, several things happen. Right? One, we, we hold them in reserve to when they're really needed. So we don't want more resistance to be formed. Uh, and that means that the market is potentially smaller for them. We have other issues with how antibiotics are paid for in various jurisdictions, uh, et cetera. And mm -hmm. the consequence of that is we've had I think four or five companies in the last three to four years uh, that have developed these, you know, highly innovative small companies went public and have gone bankrupt, 
right? They, they've just not been able to uh, develop the market for their products and have a return on the investment. And the consequence to that is that, you know, much of the available capital flows into innovations in other areas, whereas there is a perception that the market is, is more amenable to, to providing the reward when patient benefit is, is delivered. And it's just been challenging antibiotics, um, you know, some for very good reason and, and some perhaps not. I think the, the incentives that uh, have been created over the past uh, you know, decade in the US and elsewhere uh, help, um, but, but they're not enough. I think you know, what we're looking to do is to, you know, one, bridge the gap and, and fund you know, successfully the development of two to four new antibiotics for patient benefit, but also to buy time uh, so that some of these uh, challenges in the marketplace can be resolved um, by a number of, of potential policy changes that would facilitate a market-driven approach to really leverage the innovation that's available um, to advance new antibiotics. Uh, so the incentives in place help. Uh, I think we need to look into more policy changes and, and support our, our, our governments to come up with means to reinvigorate the marketplace. Right, yes, because there's been a lot of conversation, particularly here in the in the UK, surrounding um, the need for government and private sort of partnerships to produce incentives for pharmaceutical companies to do this development work. Um, just before we get onto the AMR Action Fund and the, the recent investment, you mentioned buying time. Um, how long would it take for, say, to, to occur for the market for pharmaceutical companies to be incentive, incentivized um, better? Uh, uh, Reese, if, if I could restate the question because I make sure I heard it right, this is how long do we need the bridge until the the, the changes are in place that the the market functions normally? Is that your question? Yeah, yes. Yeah. You mentioned buy, buying time until we can get to that point. Yeah, I, I think that's very difficult to answer, right? I, you know, all, the, the policy changes, and, and we've seen some, um, and I think the UK uh, has been leading some of this thought uh, about some of the the ways for which we, we can pay for innovative antibiotics and, and keep ahead of the pathogens and their resistance. Uh, I think I've seen some things out of Sweden that, that looks promising. Um, you know, we have a new Congress in the U.S., and, and I think there will be new proposals made, maybe that are close to some which have been put forward in the past, but haven't quite gotten through. It's, it's awfully difficult to know how long that's going to take. Um, you know, it, it could be a modest amount of time uh, if, if things line up, or it could be, you know, a bit longer, just depending on other things, right? It's, it's very difficult to predict. You know, no one would have predicted COVID-19 um, would have come, you know, uh, appeared, uh, you know, last December, January, yet yet here it is. Um, and it obviously is, is demanding appropriately. So uh, uh, enormous attention and approaches to, to manage it. Uh, so, you know, things, I'm sure that, you know, that puts off uh, other uh, attention for, for our, our governments to deal with numerous issues as they're dealing with a crisis. So mm -hmm. it's difficult to say, you I know, mean, we're, I'm hopeful it, it's, you know, on the modest side, uh, you know, three, four years, maybe I, I, you know, it would be awfully nice if it was immediate or, or faster. Mm 
but but it's very difficult to know. You know, I think what we're looking to do over the next decade is to invest a billion dollars to get two to four new antibiotics approved. Um, hopefully, in the earlier part of that timeline, some of these policy changes come into effect and and the market uh, improves underneath. Yes, and just onto the um, AMR Action Fund. I know you've recently raised um, $140 million of investment. So um, you're aiming to get two to four new antibiotics out by the end of the decade. How, um, how is this money going to help? Well, we're going to look to to invest about a billion dollars over the next decade in you know, mid to late stage development of new antibiotics, uh, which we think is really the, the funding challenge. There have been a number of groups that have come come together uh, to do some of the early stage funding, and as the you know as you move it forward, it becomes more expensive. Uh, and so we're looking to to bridge that gap in that mid to late stage uh, and to bring these to patients um, as others are are advancing the early early part of the pipeline. Um, and we're certainly thrilled to have the additional investment, um, you know, and, and really add to to the pro- private public partnership uh, that that has come together with AMR. Um, and so we're, we're ecstatic to add to that. We will be looking to add additional funds, additional capital to, to be able to put to work as well over the next year. Perfect. Thank you. And just going back to what you were um, speaking about earlier, um, you mentioned sort of the sparing use of um, antibiotics after they're developed, because obviously if we use them in large quantities, then resistance is going to form more, more, more quickly. Um, do you think enough focus is being placed on diagnostics for helping you know identify which antibiotics should be used in which situations? I don't think there's been enough focus on on AMR generally on resistance generally. I think diagnostics is a place that that could deliver significant benefit. There's lots of challenges in developing diagnostics in this space. You know, much of what we do is, uh, you know, we've been doing for a couple of hundred years of uh, plating bacteria onto a plate and identifying what they are. And that can take uh, 24 hours or 72 hours, depending on the organism or even longer. I think rapid tests that, that are specific that guide physicians to really the ideal antibiotic to use would, would be fantastic. And, and I, I hope to see, to see such things develop, but there's significant technical challenges and even clinical challenges in how care is given. If you have someone with a serious infection, uh, is septicemia, a blood infection, you need to treat them right away. So these tests need to need to fit the timelines that the clinicians need for their patients. Um, love to see more attention there, just as we need more attention on the development of new drugs. And I think together, you know, they, they can certainly significantly help address the problem. Yeah, it's, it's funny that you say that, um, you know, you don't, you don't think enough attention has been placed on AMR. Um, it's probably quite strange for me because working within life sciences, you know, you, you see the topic all the time and you attend seminars and speak to experts like yourself um, about the issue. But it, it seems quite scary that we almost have this um, this timer of the year 2050 to when, you know, the problem is going to be exacerbated quite quite badly. Um, I, I mean, just what, what your opinions are? We, we do have the knowledge out there in terms of we know how bad this is going to get, but why hasn't there been enough focus placed on it? Well, I, I think it's been a, a, a 
crisis that's built slowly over time. Um, and I think that is one of the big challenges. Each year it gets a little bit worse, but it's only a little bit worse than the year before. Uh, although I would argue it, it may be accelerating. Um, and, and, and prior to, I don't know what the right time frame is, but say the past 10 or 15 years, I think we have had the innovation and we have seen some, some new drugs come, come out. Um, but I think the problem has become more acute, both in the frequency of drug-resistant pathogens growing, uh, as well as the challenge of financing innovation in this area. And you combine those things in the past decade, and I think the problem becomes ever more challenging. And then you look forward and, and look at the time it takes to develop a new drug, you know, which, which is many years, um, you know, seven, 10 years uh, from when you start and not every drug you try to develop is successful. Um, you know, it, it's a race against time. And, and I think we've, uh, we've got a slow start here, if you, if you will, over the past decade, we've, uh, you know, had such innovation in other parts of life sciences to, to phenomenal patient benefit and, and thank goodness for it. Uh, we just need to bring a little more attention back here and appreciation for just how big the challenge is and just how great the, the clinical need is, right? You know, again, today, 700,000 people are dying around the world from drugs and infections, 35,000 in the U.S., and that's growing every year. This is not a trivial problem, uh, and it's getting worse caused by many different organisms. So, you know, I, I think it, it, it it's a, it will be a constant race that I think we will need to deal with for, for, as, you know, for, for the duration of humanity. Uh, the organisms will become resistant to what we develop next, and we always need to stay one step ahead of that and to keep ready for physicians powerful drugs to these pathogens for when they're needed. Uh, and if we don't build them now, when, when the need is, is not as great as it'll be in 20 years, um, you know, 20 years from now, if we start, it won't be ready for 10 years after that. So, you know, it's it's, it's a pressing need. And, uh, you know, I would argue we, we're already behind in the race and, and need to play catch up and stay ahead of it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's quite a scary prospect when you, you know, you're seeing 700,000 people die every year um, already, you know, which is going to grow to uh, 10 million by, by 2050. But do you think there needs to be um, a bit more public awareness raised um, just so it's more of an overall um, issue for, for everybody is not just focused on, you know, the biotech companies or, or clinicians. So actual, pe you know, actual people who, who go to the doctors and, um, you know, take antibiotics. So they're made more aware about the, 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 um, the problem. I think so. And I think that's certainly one of the things we'll, we'll look to do at the fund is, is to build awareness and, and to help people understand, um, you know, the benefit, uh, the, the huge benefit uh, antibiotics bring uh, to society. Uh, the, you know, I think to my mind, you know, they're, they're the most impactful drugs that have ever been developed. If you think about the number of lives saved and, you know, the value of that is, is phenomenal. Um, and I think it's a great bargain for humanity to be investing in it. And, you know, I, I think the awareness to think about this is almost as you would um, building infrastructure or maintaining infrastructure, right? You, you build the bridge and then you need to invest in its maintenance over the next 80 or 90 or 100 years. And, 
you know, keep it running well. And I think antibiotics are the same thing. We, we have them and we need to invest in the infrastructure of, of antibiotics as a way to deliver high value healthcare to, to patients. Um, and that takes constant investment. And I think we will certainly work to build awareness of that and, you know, the challenges we face and, and some of the growing problems. I don't, we certainly don't want to panic anybody, but I think we need to have a open dialogue of how to uh, reward the application of innovation here so that we have the right drugs when, when we need them um, in a few years' time. Mm-hmm. And how many companies um, are you currently working with in the, in the fund? Uh, the, the fund is, is really just come together. I've just been hired as, as the CEO, so I have a lot of work to do to to get it moving um, and, and to begin making investments. So, so that's, uh, uh, we're just getting ramped up. I would expect us to begin evaluating opportunities to invest in, in the second quarter, which is, uh, you know, what, about a month away. Mm-hmm. Um, and so hopefully or ideally uh, making investments before the end of the year um, so that we can help advance some of these things that maybe otherwise won't be advanced uh, and won't be able to benefit patients if we don't develop them. Yeah, brilliant. And we'll be looking out for that um, on EPM, definitely. Just sort of um, to finish off, do you think the COVID-19 pandemic um, has sort of risked undoing some of the focus that has been placed upon antimicrobial resistance? Well, I, I, but that's hard, hard to answer. I, I think we've had to give enormous attention to COVID-19, and we certainly should have. It, it's, uh, you know, we haven't had a pandemic like this in over 100 years. Um you know, and it's deserved, I think, all the attention it has. I've been hugely heartened looking at the private uh, public partnerships that have come together to uh, develop the vaccines in, in record time, um, extremely effective vaccines that, that uh, give us an opportunity to get, get out from under COVID-19, uh, you know, all the way through to uh, forums coming together to to make uh, PPP and masks and other things that, that have never been in healthcare. So I, I think it's been extremely heartening to see, to see us coming together to solve this problem and making enormous headway. Uh, and it makes me proud to be in our industry to see just how effective we can be when there is a crisis. Um, you know, I, I think you know, the flip side of that is, is, is that attention uh, you know, completely rightly put. Um, you know, means there's, there's less time to give attention to other very important things. And, and AMR may be one of those. Uh, but as we come out of, uh, of the pandemic, we'll certainly be looking to bring attention back to AMR, which I think is a, a slow burning pandemic that uh, you know, is becoming a chronic crisis. Yeah, of course. And um, brilliant. Well, that's, uh, that's all I've got for you. Um, Henry, just one, uh, once again, I just want to thank you very much for your time. Well, well Reese, thank you very much. I, I greatly appreciate the opportunity to come and talk to you about this. And uh, I think as mentioned, I would love to circle back, uh, you know, in six months time and tell you about the progress we've been making and, and, uh, and what we're seeing.